0: Very excited to start the very first Dana's Diner today on Houston Radio Platinum with the one, the only Hall of Fame songwriter and best friend a girl could ever have, Holly Knight. Welcome to Dana's Diner. I get to say that for the first time.
1: Thank you. I even have coffee. You (laughs) You sent me some coffee from your diner.
0: One of these days where we'll do this, we'll actually go sit in a diner somewhere and I'll bring the microphone and we'll have a we'll have a real diner. But uh thank you so much for agreeing to be my first guest, not only because you are so prolific as a songwriter and written some of the the, the biggest hits that we play here at Houston Radio Platinum and that of course that I've played in my career. Um, but I will say also one of my best girlfriends in the whole world and Holly and I have, have often said it's a good thing we didn't know each other in the 80s we would have uh, killed each other or, or been dead from entirely too much fun so yeah you know you've got a great book out a wonderful wonderful book that I've had an opportunity to do a lot of events with you it's called I am the warrior my crazy life writing the hits and rocking the MTV 80s um, so but I want to go before that, because you do talk about it in the book, and I think it's something that a lot of people don't know about you growing up, you were a classical pianist.
1: Yes, and I still am. I very much uh, still play for my own enjoyment. I've sort of had this fantasy, maybe one day I'll give a classical concert, you know, everybody has to get dressed up and candlelight, and no rock music at all, just classical.
0: You've never told me that. We could We could so make that happen.
1: And I have some very prominent friends in the classical world, you know, for violin and various instruments I could invite onto the stage which would, would be amazing too.
0: Well, see now you've said it and it's on the radio and it's out there in the universe so we have to find a way to make this happen. When right. did you start playing? How old were you?
1: I was 4. I um I would sort of hide in my bedroom and my mother was taking piano lessons and I would just sort of play on any surface I could find. I, could, I would play on my legs or I'd play on you know, the bed and just move my fingers. Um, and then when my mom would get up and go cook dinner, I would sneak up to the piano and I would pick out the parts that she was trying to learn by ear. That's really, kind of, and then my mom eventually, after a few weeks of hearing me do that, it dawned on her that I, she probably had the talent passed on to me, and she got skipped over in that direction, and um, she asked me if I wanted to take lessons, and I just jumped for joy and said yes, screamed yes, and that sort of began the whole thing. I took classical piano for 10 years. Wow. She was grooming me to be a classical pianist until I heard rock music, and the louder, the better. And after that, right, we we started parting ways as far as what what her dreams were and what my dreams were.
0: You rebel you. Do you remember what some of the first songs were that you heard that made you go, oh, that's the music I want to play?
1: Um, I think I heard I, it, it was sort of at school and I would hear it coming from the playground on somebody's transistor radio or a few radios. And a lot of it was stuff like, uh, you know, the Beatles help they had just sort of started coming out, uh, making it in, you know, the United States. I think I was probably in like third or fourth grade. And uh, also Supremes, which wasn't really rock, but just, it was so, so catchy and poppy, you know, um, that I really loved that as well. And then obviously, you know, as I got older, it was, it, it turned more sort of metal, you know, I mean, then there was the Stones, which, you know, I was completely in love with them and then it went the direction of Zeppelin and then into Black Sabbath. So it just kept getting darker
0: and darker. So what was the first song you wrote?
1: The first song I wrote, um, well, you know, this is really strange. They call it Mumonics. I think, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, where you sort of teach yourself different ways to memorize something when you have to take tests or remember things. And I remember I used to write little ditty songs, like if I had a math quiz coming up. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just would make up a song where the answer would come at a place where it was memorable to me. And I would kind of sing the song back to myself when I was in school to pass tests. And um, on that level, it made me a really good student. You know, there were other areas, not so much, but. um, And then I never really thought that I was going to be a songwriter until I, I, I really had aspirations of being a rock star. I just wanted to be in a band as a keyboard player. And even that was unique in those days because, you know, it was all men and I couldn't figure out why I didn't see any, well, hardly any women in, in bands. So that was really my aspiration. And then once I joined, which is this is all in the book, once I joined or helped to form my first band, which was originally called uh, Siren and then became Spider. We got our first record deal. When I was in that band, everybody was trying to write original material. And I thought, well, I might as well just do it, because they're, everybody in the band was doing it. And, and as far as I was concerned, they weren't writing stuff that was going to get on the radio. So I already knew back then that even I think some of my classical skills probably had a lot to do with it, too. Because to this day, it's, it's sort of a stamp on some of my music. I have a lot of arpeggios and orchestrated Parts, especially the new stuff that I'm working on, so it's still very much with me. It's, it's. Sometimes I like to go in my studio and just very quietly sit down. This is a piano that I got when I was 11. My father and my grandmother took me to Steinway uh, to their showroom, which was right across the street in New York City, where I grew up, um, from Carnegie Hall. And I can just remember that day so clearly. I, you know. I must have played 30 pianos while they very quietly patiently sat there and watched me and when i got to the very last piano it was like soulmate you know um it just felt right and made me sound better than i was and so uh you know sort of similar to like if you like something for instance if you like skiing and you've been skiing with these crappy skis and then all of a sudden you go and you buy a new pair that are more aerodynamically designed and all that, and you get on and all of a sudden you're like so much better you know i'm sure guitarists must feel that when they. You know when they pick up guitars and stuff so um, that's the piano that's still sitting in my recording studio that I go in and play when I sit down and play classical or if i'm writing something same piano.
0: Well, let's take some of the hits you've written and deconstruct those, or, or let's tell some of the stories. Now, of course, all the stories are in the book, and the book is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I just got a note from somebody last week that said, hey, I picked up Holly Knight's book, and your name is in it. Um, so thank you for That's the great. thank you. That was very sweet of you. Um, uh, let's. Just, I'm just going to throw some of the, the, the artists that you've worked with, Aerosmith. Let's talk about that song.
1: Ragdoll. I always thought of... Uh, Stephen is sort of this ragdoll character, sort of with all his scarves on his microphones and just all the scarves that he would wear and stuff. So um, I was approached by his record, uh, his record A&R guy who signed him, which was a well-known person in the business, um, John Kladner. I'm sure you've heard of him. Um, Kladner,
0: Kladner. Yeah.
1: (laughs) and he, he had met me when i was working with bon jovi on a record that uh john bon jovi was recording a couple of tracks for share maybe this is too much information but i'm trying to unravel this so that's how i <laughs> met um john and then we worked together on a heart record he was sort of um he was freelance a and with lots of different bands you know And so he asked me if I wanted to work with Aerosmith. And at that time they were kind of, you know, they were just not doing well. They had been doing so many drugs and the records weren't as good as the earlier ones. And they were either gonna make it on this next record or that was it, they were over. Um, But I just wanted to work with them. I didn't care, you know, I just wanted to meet Steven and I, I get, into quite a lot of graphics in the chapter about Stephen <laughs> which I you know you got to buy the book I'm not going to share it here it's too I can't talk about it but
0: the title it's a family of the chapter, show <laughs> yeah
1: not so um <laughs> I had to sort of warn my two sons when they started to pick it up and read it I just had to give them a warning sort of alerts about a few things in the book but um then there yeah there are other parts that are totally uh You know, it's very there's a lot of things like each chapter is about a a hit song I wrote Um, and what happened. And I'm trying to get the the reader, which I've been told they feel this way. uh, Put it in. Put the reader in the room with me when that was happening, so they can kind of understand how I got in the room and what I had to struggle with being, you know, uh, in a male dominated industry like so many and some of them are about everything from techie tech talk to you know tips on songwriting to gossip gossipy more sort of behind the scenes you know uh, things that uh, only i knew about because they happen to me so um but i you know also i've been told it's actually kind of humorous and funny which i find that to be a good compliment because i i like to see humor in life in general how I get and it is right funny
0: there. there's some great stories and, yeah. and that's on the only way. thing about about doing these interviews like I could talk to you for three hours instead I've got 20 yeah. minutes but we've got you know, when John I get off tangents that's and I love them because every time <laughs> I talk to you as much time as we spent together just hanging out or whatever I always learn something new um like 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 the beginning of this interview where you talked about writing little little ditties so you could like pass a math test and you know, I'm gonna get you some wine one day when I'm at your house, and I'm gonna hear one of these. We should little interview ditties. each
1: other. I should interview <laughs> you. You know, you know what? in mine. We'll do that on, in a lot of places.
0: We'll do that on Dana's diner one day. We'll turn the uh, uh, turn it around and let you interview me. But sure. love is about field pat benatar there's so many you worked with kiss there's some great stories in the book i'm telling you it's i am the warrior my crazy life writing the hits and rocking the mtv 80s but i would be remiss if i didn't just go right to the pinnacle the big one right now that you know it was a hit and then it was a hit and then it became a hit again and it's a hit and it is my ringtone now when you call me and that is the best by tina turner
1: yeah, that has been. It was never something that uh, I expected would take on the life that it did. But I mean, God, last year was on the Super Bowl commercial, um, and so many different shows like Schitt's Creek. It was on Schitt's Creek three times. It's become the um, the wedding theme for the L B G T community because of the show. Um, And it just keeps happening over and over again. It's been in Tina's documentary, and she performed it everywhere. And she's just put out a brand new record that I have six songs on, which is the the packaging's incredible. And it's, uh, well, she didn't, but obviously that's, that was sort of didn't make a lot of sense since she left us uh, last year. But the record company and the people that uh, I guess own her estate put out a beautifully packaged, uh, a beautifully. I was going to show it to you because it's in my studio, actually. So.
0: Well, I, I have to. I have to get you to tell the story because I finally asked you after you know after all these years of hanging out together, I finally asked you over wine, I guess about a year ago before I left, uh, I left on my little one year journey, which mm-hmm. was, you know, who did you write it about? Who, who was simply the best?
1: Don't you think I should leave that as a surprise for the book? It's the best chapter in the book, really. It, let's put it this way. It was written for a man that I had a crush on who was uh, doing quite well at the time. And, I wrote the song for him almost as a uh, you know just to get his attention I had met him several times and we would hit it off and I wanted to get his attention musically and see if he would record it but he passed on it and his manager or his manager passed on it I'm not sure because you don't know always know as a songwriter if they even hear the song that's getting passed on you know which is a shame because I have a lot of great songs sitting in my vault but um Then it got recorded by Bonnie Tyler, uh, who released it pretty much in Europe on an album called Hide Your Heart, which was another song I wrote uh, with Kiss, with Paul Stanley of Kiss and, and Desmond Child. And so she did the best. And then Tina got a hold of the song through some publishing people I was working with. She fell in love with the song, but she wanted it to be rewritten. So in as much as not rewritten, but she wanted to have a bridge, and she asked me if I could write a bridge. Excuse me, and then make the the key go up, which is what we did. And I have to say that even though she's not a songwriter, her instincts were dead on because I think that and the fact that she did the vocal, it just really turned it into a timeless hit, which just shows. Which part know. of the
0: song was that? Which part can you? It I was mean, the can bridge. Sayander.
1: Yeah, it goes like, each time you leave me, I start losing control. You're walking away with my heart and my soul. And then it goes, um.
0: And then how did it originally go?
1: It just had an instrumental in them. It's just sort of meandered. You know, it's uh, that's what, you know, I always, when I'm doing master classes, I will tell students that the arrangement is the most important thing that I can teach a songwriter can't really teach someone to come up with ideas, but there is stru- structure in a well-written song. And not all songs need what I call a bridge. British call it the middle eight um, or middle section. And it, it I always call it the section that's, and furthermore, you know? So in other <laughs> words, you've had this verse, you set up the chorus. Chorus, you know, if you have to figure out where the chorus is, you don't have one at least in 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 my estimation there's got to be something that hints at what you, what you've been leading up to and then you'll do another verse but then after the second chorus you might want to end furthermore and that's where emotionally you start to I, she starts to sing i can feel it even when i'm alone oh baby don't let go that was the key change and then it went into the chorus with the key changed. And by that time, everybody's up off on their feet, you know?
0: Yeah. When my yeah. phone rings, it always makes me smile. Cause you know, not only is it a great song, but I know it's you. Before we run out of time here in the diner, we get kicked out of the booth. Um, what's next for Holly Knight? Oh, there's lots
1: going on. For the book, it, I mean, it looks like the book has uh, is is being optioned. I'm working on that right now to be a limited mir- miniseries. And I've already got a fantastic writer. And I'm really excited about the, that because I'll be involved in re-recording all the music to make it sound authentic. But then I was thinking it would be great to have another record with like very contemporary artists doing their takes on... Holiday night songs like that would be such an honor so i'm doing that uh i have a group that i'm working with that i'm producing and writing for and i help put together that's a powerhouse of women and it's called the terrible truth and we've started recording a bunch of really amazing stuff which i'm going to put out this year and um i'm working on another type of book which is kind of like a grimoire i call a grimoire which is a witch's cookbook of recipes and spells only in my grimoire it's all lessons on songwriting and with lots of pictures and stuff that's yeah that's enough to keep me busy
0: wrapping this up what would you say is what is the motto you live your life by
1: that's more of a catchism or you can't feed me to the wolves they come when i call but that's just the the more tougher part of me that really isn't tough at all um (laughs) but i've had to have that attitude you know sort of maneuvering through the business i guess just be happy my motto is to 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 spread the love and be happy because that's really in the end all that matters and for those of you that want to songwrite or be a musician do it because you want to do it don't do it because you think you have to have a career doing it because that's not the real reason to do music and it's great don't get me wrong it's great when you're thriving in it but there are a lot of people that do it for fun and for pleasure and it c- completes them it definitely completes me it's like my oxygen you know i think music was my first language before i even spoke so i guess i guess that's my motto i don't know if that's what they'll put on my my headstone actually I won't have a headstone. <laughs> i've decided i want my ashes do you want to know where i want my ashes spread I do,
0: because I should have that information.
1: Yes. Well, I, because I plan to be here still for a while. So I'm hoping that this is possible to just open up some sort of uh, window in a rocket ship and just put the (laughs) ashes out there into the universe. It can
0: be done. It can be done. The book is I Am the Warrior, My Crazy Life, Writing the Hits and Rocking the MTV 80s. Look up Holly Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T. She wrote so many hits and we're going to play some of them here in just a few minutes and it's good to see you you look good
1: thank you and also by the way there's an audiobook that i narrated which is available
0: on amazon i'm looking at it right now
1: no i just audible (laughs) (laughs) marketing oh my god yeah on audible
0: well that's why you have me so Holly Knight, (laughs) thank you. You look happy. Be happy. And uh, I will see you soon. Thanks. I hope so.